Israel is a land of diverse cultures, religions, foods, music and people. Join Benji Shulman for the next hour as he explores the devout and divine, the off the wall and outrageous and everything in between. Right here on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM. Talking today to Gabby Bloomberg and Jordi Sank, who are Jewish filmmakers uh, in our community and working, interestingly, also on Jewish-related films. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being with us on the New Blue Review. Thank Thanks you. for having Thanks us. For having <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome to have you guys uh, in studio today. So let's just start off uh, with your first film uh, that you guys have been working on. Uh, it's about the Holocaust and a Holocaust survivor. Tell us yes. a little bit about that and, and why did you decide to do it? Sure. So um, I grew up uh, in Cape Town and uh, I grew up around the Holocaust survivor. Her name's Ella, Ella Blumenthal and uh, she's 98 uh, today. And uh, so I grew up hearing her, her incredible stories of uh, survival, uh, moments of hope that she experienced during uh, her time in the different camps and in the in the Warsaw Ghetto. And uh, like from that moment as a child hearing these stories, I always knew that we had to capture them and, and preserve them. And, uh, and yeah, basically uh, the beginning of last year, Gabby and I um, met and we planned uh, to shoot it all. And uh, right now we're in post-production on, uh, on the documentary, which, uh, which focuses mainly on uh, the his- historical side of her experiences and, and her memories, um, but also um, something that we haven't really seen too much, which is also um, how Holocaust survivors today are, are living and uh, you know, how she sort of lives her life um, with such uh, zest and uh, you know, incredible perseverance. And I think that um, it was really a great privilege for me because, as Jordi mentioned, he grew up with Ella um, and he knew her story and he knew her personality. And um, at the beginning of last year, he asked me to come on board and help produce the project. And um, I really didn't know what I was getting myself into. I thought, you know, this is an important story to tell. Of course, I heard the facts. Um, she, had, she grew up in Warsaw. She was um, in hiding in Warsaw. She survived three concentration camps. Um, so I knew the fact of how amazing and rich her story was. But only when I got on set and met her did I actually realize the privilege I had um, of being in her presence. And it's something that I think that the film um, gives the audience that privilege to because she is... She is such a, uh, I want to say she can be a bit of a sassy grandmother. She has such a personality. Um, and I think it's, it's really, um, it's always amazing, you know, meeting a Holocaust survivor who still has this um, strength. But she, with her, she has a zest for life. She has a sense of humor. Um, and I don't think, and she's, and she's got such a strong faith, um, which I think is is quite rare and and really important to see. And she's what ninety nine today. She's she's ninety eight. She'll turn ninety nine in August. Okay, yeah. so uh, sure, that's uh, it's not young at, at all. Yeah, but uh, she's young at heart. Well, I mean, that, it's interesting. <laughs> I, I went and had a look at the Instagram page for the for the filming, and you you have some quite interesting images still of her walking down the beach at uh, in Cape Town and, and talking to the residents so is, is that kind of part of what you were trying to get across yes like so so that's one one element we really wanted to get get across her her incredible nature her fight for survival but also this like incredible spirit that she has which is like almost infectious and it's it sort of inspires all of us who like you know we all have our own daily troubles nothing to compare to what she went through but like still she's smiling she's happier than 
than ever, you know. And you can also imagine we like we really wanted to show that strength and we knew um, that Ella likes to swim. So we thought, oh, cinematic, how perfect. We can get this shot of her in the swimming pool. But also she's 98. We, we don't want to tie her out. So Jordi says, Ella, get in the swimming pool. You're going to do one length. We're going to set up the camera and then we're going to change the camera and you'll have a break and we'll tell you and do it again. She says nonsense. She gets in the pool before the camera's even rolling. She's doing 10 laps in this long swimming pool and we like chasing after her. And I think that's actually what a lot of the shoot was, was running after Ella um, because she's so strong and she's got, um, yeah, I mean that, that strength, that will to survive that, that you really needed during the darkest time. She's still able to, to have that in um, fun and great moments today. Uh, I'm also interested that you, you you decided on a technique which was kind of pioneered by Israeli filmmakers a, a few years ago uh, in Waltz with Bashir, mm. uh, which basically does memory shots or, or, or things that in the past using animation. Yes. Uh, so and, and so so what what aspects uh, of that have you have you tried to incorporate into the film? Because it's it's quite interesting for me. You know, South African documentaries are very good on this realism stuff. What you're doing with people swimming and in, in Cape Town and walking, uh, but the animation is something new and very Israeli. So just talk to us a little bit about the process behind that. So the reason that we that we wanted to go um, to use animation was because we, we took a look at all the different options of stock that we had, um, and there is quite a quite a bit of the camps mostly taken after the liberation, um, and we just felt like you know Ella is put into a gas chamber, and to show an image of a gas chamber or video footage of a gas chamber really doesn't even begin to describe her her story in the way that she felt in the gas chamber. So. That's the the reason we wanted to bring animation in, in is because you sort of relive these moments with her and you experience it with with her character, like you know from the beginning of her story to the end, um, and uh, also we wanted to I think with with animation I think animation is usually geared at a younger audience and uh, I think now is more relevant than ever to to gear Holocaust survivor stories to younger audiences who who might not get the opportunity to ever meet a Holocaust survivor because they really are f- uh, far and few between. And I think that the other thing that animation really contributes the, to this film is magic because, um, y- you know, Ella went through such a horrific time. But um, as human nature, um, you needed to imagine a few things to to survive and to escape the reality. Um, can I give away the Shabbos table story? Yeah, so little sneak peek into the film. She... Um, She's watching someone being hanged um, who has tried to escape one of the camps. And her niece, who survived with her, um, starts describing a Shabbos meal. And she describes the bread that they would be eating and the food that would be on the table and how that was such a transformative experience that made them sort of fly out of the camps in their imagination and survive that time. And that is something that animation can do for us and something that will, I think, really allow the audience to get into the, the heads of these survivors um, and see really what they were thinking and what helped them survive. You're listening to 101.9 Chai FM. If you want to be part of the conversation, ask Gabby or Jordi anything, you can telegram us on 0618951019 or you can SMS us on 34519. It only costs you 150 just to engage on the show. We'll take a short break. We'll be back just after this. This is the New Blue Review with Benji Shulman. 
101.9 Chai FM talking film in the Jewish community uh, today with uh, Gabby Bloomberg and Geordie Sank uh, about their film, uh, well the first one that we're going to talk about anyway, uh, about a Holocaust survivor living in Cape Town. Now guys, I'm sure that, uh, you know, it is very, from what you described, a great experience to be working with a person such as this. But I was interested, you know, Mod Perlov, who uh, also had a film recently made about his life in the Russian Gulag. He, he died last week. Um, you could tell in the in, in in the article that I read in the Jewish Report that that sometimes there's age differences, there's uh, perspectives on the world that are different, and and that can in in a filming project, I'm sure. Get in, get in the way, but cause some kind of, of tension. Was were there any of those kind of issues working with someone who's who's ninety eight and and, uh, and and with you guys who are actually millennials, unlike me? I don't. Th- I think that um, it more was a learning experience for us, seeing what values she's has kept and what we can incorporate into our lives. Um, and I think what was also interesting is in terms of, again, in terms of its relevance, and of course, as we're saying, we're sitting here today um, quite by coincidence on the 75th um, anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz, where she she was liberated actually from Bergen-Belsen, but she did spend time in Auschwitz. Um, But how this film is still relevant today, um, and that was quite interesting in the conversations that we had with her. She spoke a lot about, um, and I think this is why the film is not only relevant to the Jewish community, but she spoke about the beginnings of the war and and the 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 hate and the discourse and the way that um people were being positioned and spoken about and um Jews and other um groups being represented and she says that she sees that sort of mushrooming up again today in different parts of the world um and I think really that was it it's that brings a film I think it's relevance today to today especially in this in xenophobic South Africa and in a and in a world that is being run by fear and, and fear politics. So so is you know is that when I say the is that the idea of the film? Eh? Are you guys going out there to to create a film that you're going to have on at film festivals and circuits, or is it something that you expect to be seen in schools and Holocaust centers for educational purposes? Where are you pitching? The, the the angle of the film, so to speak. So I I think uh, I think the film we're pitching it at both. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we, we last year we had the opportunity to go to the the Durban International Film Festival, uh, which is the only Oscar qualifying film festival in Africa, and we got to meet with different people from the various uh, festivals around the world, um, and we got to like speak to them a little bit about the film, um, and they gave us a lot of great advice. Um, so I think foremost the f- we'd love for the film to have a, an international uh, release at the festivals and then also we want to try and target the schools different holocaust centers around the world and then also just to to get it to the widest audience hopefully on a streaming platform where anyone who sees sees a, an image or a trailer of it might be interested and want to just take a look well yeah, you've actually just answered the question of uh, someone who sms in just saying hi geordie and gabby this sounds amazing what platform will we be able to see the movie on and when okay so you've kind of answered that person thank you for sending this sms please do add your name we would love to know who you are thank and you, uh, who's going to be watching the film uh, but we do appreciate that 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 you that you've sent that in okay so when can we expect to be seeing it on the screens uh what you know uh, so, so for that, you're going to have to stay up to date at the moment on right. our social media, which is at Sanctuary Films, S-A-N-K, 
T-U-A-N-K-Y. Yeah, because there's another sanctuary filled with the C, so you're going to not... Like Geordie Sank. Yeah. So... Um, because as Jordi was explaining, the way that a film works is um, you send it to festivals and it hopefully will have a positive festival run. Um, as Jordi's mentioned, we've been speaking to um, some big film festivals um, globally um, who know that the film's happening and are quite interested in it. Um, so we aim to finish this post-production phase, which is doing the animation, the sound design, the color grade, the um, everything that goes into packaging the film and exporting it in the correct resolutions and specs, um, and doing that by the end of July, August this year. Then hopefully it will have a festival run. Unfortunately, what happens is while it's at a film festival, um, you cannot release it in the public sphere because obviously the f- festivals lack the exclusivity. Um, so that will happen, I suppose, the beginning part of next year. And from there, depending how well it's done on festival, it then ca- gets um, attracted to distributors who will do theatrical releases. Um, but as Jordi said, really our main aim, um, and it will only happen next year, is to get this to the widest audience possible. And that will be um, through partnering with educational platforms, um, we really we've had the privilege of working with Tali Nace from the Holocaust and Genocide Center, so we'd really love to screen it at places like that um, and at different schools. Um, and really, not we we've been meeting actually with um, the Polish embassy. We've met we're meeting next um, week with the German embassy, hopefully, and really getting this out to people that aren't just Jewish um, through educational programs too. But hopefully, we will have that festival and theatrical release first. Now, whenever you speak to filmmakers in South Africa, and we've had a few on the show uh, in, in the last while, uh, funding always comes up as, as a huge issue, right? Now, it doesn't sound to me like you had a massive cost uh, for this particular sh- uh, a movie because it's kind of a one-person story. But, but if you're adding animation, that kind of thing, that's uh, a, a time-consuming, if nothing else, process. So were you able to get financial backing for, for a film such as this, which is, I mean, it's kind of got a niche story, even if it has a wider uh, audience? So, um, yeah, the animation, I think, has been the, the most expensive part of the, um, of the process. Um, but basically, we've had a financial backer um, to help us uh, complete the animation, most of the post-production. Um, but we are, we are looking for additional funding. We've been applying to a, a whole bunch of foundations and uh, funding platforms around the world. Um, so we're hoping to sort of complete the project, uh, the remaining funding for the project, uh, which is most opposed a few bit of post production like the sound design, um, the color grading, etc. I mean, the the other thing that filmmakers moan about is that as South African filmmakers, it's not till you make it somewhere else, right? Uh, you can win the Paraguay Film Festival award, and then suddenly South Africans are interested. The story itself, when you're at the Durban Film Festival, it, are locals interested? In, in a Holocaust story, is, is that something that South Africans resonate with? So I think what was um, very interesting is, you know, speaking to different filmmakers um, and, um, and audience members is that her film ultimately, I mean, her story is ultimately really one of resilience and survival and hope. Um, she is currently living in Cape Town, so it does um, have that South African appeal. But what we found very interesting is we did a test screening with um, filmmakers and non-filmmakers. Um, and do you want to tell the story of them? Uh, um, so at, at the test screening, one of the, um, 
one of the filmmakers that we sort of brought in to give an opinion. Um, he he absolutely loved the film, and he th- and he thought it was so relevant. He's he's a, a black male who grew up in uh, in Cape Town, and he had no exposure whatsoever to to the Holocaust or any stories or, or information of it. And he said it, it was it, firstly it was a very informative. Um, screening for him but also he saw a lot of parallels between uh, what his parents and what he went through um, you know happening in South Africa during apartheid and he said that that seeing someone like Ella who's been through uh, the darkest period in history and to see her like being so positive and to to being so strong um, really was just uplifting for him and he believes that a lot of South Africans will will benefit from it and quite funny the, the next day I was actually meeting Ella and he insisted on um, on coming to meet her uh, with me, and he even brought her a little a little scarf as a as a gift, which was really sweet of him. Uh, that's be- that's that's beautiful, actually. Uh, we're speaking to Gabby and Jordi today about their filmmaking. If you want to ask any questions, you can telegram zero six one eight nine five one zero one nine, or you can SMS us on three four five one nine. I want to ask something about your experience inside the Jewish community, right? And as being filmmaker, if you're not a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, we always get a bit concerned there might be a problem. Uh, so is is filmmaking big in the Jewish community? Are there people, students, young people who are getting engaged with this stuff, making films? Where are we as a community? And, and crucially also being able to tell community stories as well. So I think um, what I've found... Um, in my experience, is well, firstly about the lawyer, everything. Um, I mean, Hollywood's made up of Jewish people. Right. Um, but I think... Um, Mostly Jewish entertainment lawyers. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. Um, but I think what... There are definitely Jews in film school, um, and there are definitely Jewish people creating content, um, whether it is um, documentary or fiction or whether it's more experimental work. Um, I think what becomes more difficult is if you are an observant Jew trying to get into a more formalized um, film industry, whether that is, um, say, commercials or being um, on a soap opera set. The film world works where it's six-day weeks, 12-hour days. Um, So I have experience of working on set and having to leave at 4 o'clock on a Friday, and I was leaving set six hours early, um, which is unimaginable in a job leaving six hours early. So I think trying to get into that space or a commercial, you might be shooting the whole Saturday. So trying to get into that space is quite difficult. Um, and that's why a lot of um, observant Jews will go more into a freelancing space or, or um, hustling by themselves. Um, and then even... Or or a lot of people who don't keep Shabbos only then start keeping Shabbos at a later stage in their careers when they've already built up a name for themselves and can call the shots. Um, So I do think that it is an active and vibrant community. I think that the, you know, the biggest stumbling block if you do want to be in a more institution um, would be if you are observant. But I think that there's, as we can see from the films that we're creating, um, a lot of opportunities with... um, yeah, being a Jew. I think also there's there's a lot of uh, one thing that I've realized over the past few years is that there are a lot of industry leaders who um, like you know in commercials and in film in South Africa that are that are Jewish that are running studios that are running big production companies and you know it's it's all about finding who the who the best people to collaborate with with are because uh, in my experience like there's been a few people who've been really really accommodating as far as Shabbos is concerned kosher and. Uh, I think uh, for for orthodox filmmakers, I think it's 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 easy. You just got to find the right partners. And and what about the issues of 
of stories themselves, right? So, so it's it's amazing to me that you found the story which clearly does resonate and and will resonate. But often, particularly on the documentary track, I mean, uh, you don't have an Encounters Film Festival without like a virulently anti-Israel film, uh, and uh, you know, film film schools are particularly prone to very sort of woke narratives. Uh, you guys might be Jewish, but you're also white. Uh, you know, h- how do you find that interaction in, in, in the work that you're doing? So I actually had a um, very clear experience of that two years ago. I was doing um, my master's in directing. Um, I was studying in London at the Met Film School. And um, a producer is ex-South African, um, from Durban, her name's Anika um, Makista, and she um, wanted to produce a documentary about indentured labor um, in Durban and in South Africa. And she asked me to come on board and direct. Um, And we had quite a lot of conversations about it at the time because we're telling a story of um, indentured labor of um, Indian people from India coming to Durban. And we looked at it on a global scale um, and realized that, you know, a lot of um, Indian people who came to Durban through interviews felt quite strongly South African. Um, and and I think there's a lot of the, there were a lot of dynamics coming into that film because of um, apartheid happened. And so so a lot of racial, it's, it's difficult to be in South Africa without knowing um, how you define yourself. And, um, but I think what was interesting about being part of that film as a white South African was also having um, the Jewish heritage because I could understand what it was like to leave a place for want of a better life. I could understand um, historically what it's like to um, be oppressed in some way or to be tricked in some way. Um, and I think that on that level, um, as Jewish people, um, because of our history, we really can relate to a lot of stories of um, of struggle and of trauma, which is typical to the South African landscape. Very interesting. Uh, okay, so... Just to finish off on on on, on Ella uh, and and her film. So, if people do want to follow it, if they do, where, where can they? It's it's just on the Instagram, or or are there any others? Right now, it's just on the Instagram, um, but there will there is a website that is in development. Um, but we'll get back to you, I think, with more information on that once once it's out. Okay. And there's the IMDb page that has been set up. Um, so you can follow that and release dates, um, et cetera, will be on there. Yeah, no, it's legit if it's on IMDb. That's the ruling, <laughs> right? Uh, we're, uh, we're talking today to Gabby Bloomberg and Geordie Sank. Uh, they are filmmakers uh, involved with a variety of film 